Isn't it hard to believe that we're about three months from completing year 2020? And it has been a hard one for most, if not all of us. I know that many people have said, have expressed, maybe in social media or just in face-to-face, if anything was going to go wrong, it has gone wrong in 2020. And there is truth in that globally, we continue to endure so much right here in our nation, in our communities. And to add to that, There's got to be particular situations that you are resonating with that are very difficult. So I want to encourage you and dedicate a particular verse. And I hope that you keep it close to your heart, memorize it, lean into it, hopefully experience it firsthand. And may it be a tool, a promise that you can share with someone. It is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And Jesus says, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So as we continue to talk about suffering and its meaning and the series of everything happens, maybe for a reason, maybe not, um, I want to define or describe suffering, sickness, brokenness, and sin through the lens of Matthew eleven twenty eight. Think of all of that as the heavy burdens carried. Kate Bowler writes this memoir about her journey as she continues to face an incurable cancer, diagnosed with a stage four kind of cancer. And I want you to think of her particular situation as that is her heavy burden. And in her memoir, she talks about One particular incident when a neighbor came to the door to express support and tells her husband, everything happens for a reason. And to her surprise, to this neighbor's surprise, I'm going to go ahead and open to page 112. I was still in the hospital. A neighbor came to the door and told my husband that everything happens for a reason. And he replied, I'd love to hear it. Pardon, she said, startled. I would love to hear the reason my wife is dying. He said that in that sweet and sour way, he was effectively ending the conversation as the neighbor stammered something and handed him the casserole. She also talks about after she wrote the New York Times article, how this all unfolded was first with an article that she begins to express of of what she's going through and the new meaning of a life with uncertainty and suffering, trying to find in that quest of the meaning. She received hundreds and hundreds of letters and responses to that because people were resonating with what she was going through. And she received many great encouragement But she also received a lot of encouragement with the whole everything happens for a reason. And I want to share a little bit of that. Why are you dying? 
writes a man, some people might think it's cruel for God to let you die so young. But the answer is simple and crystal clear. God is a just God to let you die. This is the consequence for your sin. Can you imagine reading that as you're sitting in the hospital? Page 118, I hope you have a Job experience. And today I'm going to bring a little bit about that biblical text of Job, the Job experience. Writes another person bluntly, and I can't think of anything worse to wish on someone. God allowed Satan to rob Job of everything, including his children's lives. So then she talks about how that made her question and, and made her more angry, which then cancels the whole notion of receiving an encouragement. Do I need to lose something more to learn God's character? She then goes on to talk about the letters that really spoke to her and how they did not talk about why we die, but they talked about who was there. And I'll leave that for now for in that moment. What we say to others who are carrying heavy burdens can be helpful and affirming, but they can also be extremely harmful and out of time and out of place and therefore debilitating. And I know that most of us don't intend to do that, but sometimes we do. When C.S. Lewis, maybe you know of him as the writer of the great uh, Narnia tales, but he became a defender of the faith, a classic apologist and a writer. When he was nine years old, he witnessed his mother dying. And he talks about how, as a child, he was a religious boy who attended the church in Ireland. And during this particular season, he had a specific prayer. And he confesses that it was during this trauma that he felt led to atheism. The path to unbelief, as he writes it, the path to unbelief began with prayer. Can you imagine? He asked God for something very specific, for the healing of his mom. And when her case, and it quotes, when her case was pronounced hopeless, I remembered that I had been taught that prayers offered in faith would be granted. Yet despite these prayers, in August 23rd, his mom died. So that thing called prayer did not work. And as a kid, he was told by adults who knew better that it must have been a consequence, a deserving reality. In less than a month from that trauma, his father's also going through that distraught and sends C.S. Lewis, or as he was known as Jack, and his brother away to boarding school. And apparently, 
difficult situations, several boarding schools. And later on in some of his writings, he shares how he writes to a fan of his, of the Narnia Tales, who apparently was a child. And he wrote, I never hated anything so much, but what I endured in those places. More so that what he witnessed as a person who was wounded in World War, World War I. He was enlisted and he went to serve. So clearly things happened unimaginable and extremely painful. Many of us know what it's like to have a whole life ahead of us trying to release and or repair the things that were said to us, those words that were said incorrectly or out of time, but they were so, they, they influenced our character. Perhaps because you were young, perhaps because you received them in a very critical, debilitating time, or perhaps because you received it so many times that it distorted your understanding of your self-worth, the meaning of suffering, the nature of God, the understanding of justice in this world. Many of us know what that is like. Words have power. Words make a difference, and words can add to the already heavy burden that we're carrying. So my focus of today is for us to reflect on how we speak and what we say and when we say it to other people when we're trying to help them. Friendships need faith. Friendships need faith and your friends and family are impacted by your words. So I hope that you are known for words of faith I hope that you're even known for the confession of when we did it wrong. I hope that we can be known even better, not just for our words, but for how we presented ourselves in faith, because of faith, and through faith for the sake of another person who is suffering. I believe it's very important for us. Every person should read the book of Job. It's 42 chapters. Maybe it's not the shortest, but it's not that long. If you have not read the book of Job, I encourage you. It'll deepen your faith. It would expand your faith, and it will grow that spiritual journey within us that we're all supposed to embark in. Read the book of Job. The book of Job is so important for all of us because it challenges cliches. It challenges the simplistic answers that many of us or many people tend to go for when things are very complex. It challenges the way we understand and we learn who God is, God's nature. It really challenges our understanding of the meaning of suffering, of justice in the world, and our relationship with God. Why do we worship God? Do we worship God for the sake of God being God? Or do we worship God because it might just help us from freeing ourselves from the trouble? 
Job explores that. And Job has three close friends. And it begins in chapter, the end of chapter 2 and on. He has three very good close friends who come to comfort when Job's life crumbles. And when these three friends first see Job, stripped physically, basically to nothing, without words, he lost everything. He strips down to pretty much nothing, bare, as a reflection of what he's going through. On top of that, he faces sickness and disease and scars and sores are all over him. And when these three friends approach him, he's quiet. And what they do for the next week, the word tells us that for seven days, they couldn't speak either. And that speaks of the reality of when words are inadequate or insufficient because the sorrow is so deep. Modern term, depression is so acute. That is the ministry of being present. It's powerful. And your presence with someone who's hurting is not gonna fix it, but neither do our words. And our words are helpful, but so is our presence. And there are many times when the first thing we ought to consider doing, don't indoctrinate this as a formula that every single time, but I will say that there are many times, especially when we don't know what to say, that we shouldn't say anything at all because the ministry most needed is the ministry of presence. Being present and available and silent is one of the greatest gifts because it speaks of what is truly happening in the midst of it. Job's initial silence, I want to speak to that for just a moment. He was silent at first. Call it numbness, call it shock, or call it simply the reflection or the revelation that often extreme suffering leads a person to turn inwardly because communication is simply impossible and that there is a risk of becoming isolated and I'm not promoting that and I'm not asking that we indoctrinate this as the formula there must be a time of silence but I'm simply naming the fact that very often the initial response is to just sit there unable to speak but in the process of life, particularly suffering, suffering does need to find a voice because we do need to grapple with it. Suffering does need a voice. And Job begins to talk about that in chapter 3. And for his case, a week later, seven days, as you, as you just heard me read, Job breaks the silence not the friends. Job breaks the silence. And because Job breaks the silence, in response to what he says, and I'll speak to that in just a moment, the friends break the silence as well. And here's how Job breaks the silence. It was 
extremely self-destructive. He cursed the day he was born. It was so raw, it was so painful, and it was evidently what he was experiencing inwardly. And it was so painful for the friends to listen to that you can imagine they needed to do something with that. So chapter 8 and on, when you read it, you will start to see all the wrong things that the friends began to say. They too said, the word of God speaks of a story of when ancient Kate Bowler or C.S. Lewis or you, when a person named Job was told, what you're going through is a consequence clearly, crystal clear of a sin that maybe you're yet to confess. And now the friendships and the faith are distorted. And here's the struggle and the problem with that. That as Job is trying to find his voice and giving voice to that suffering, when I don't know what to do with that as a companion, based on what I'm saying, if it becomes more of a harm, I'm actually muscling that voice. I'm actually, without realizing, I'm basically saying, don't say that. Suppress it. Repress it. But you see, for Job, the voice that he was, the language that he was giving to the suffering, that voice was a voice that it was real and authentic. It was a lament. And I know that it was absurd right then, but it's a process. And Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us, Come to me with, with your heavy burden, with all of that mess in you. Come to Jesus. Job's first words were, were not constructive. And you know what? They seemed to voice anger. I think there was some anger there. And anger is a very common action or reaction to live through when we are suffering and cynicism. And Kate talks about how much more angry she was when she received um, inappropriate statements, so-called encouragement. So here's my, my question for you or my observation. If we're going to be friends with faith, we need to be friends with resilient faith. So that when, when the hurting person says something maybe absurd in our eyes, cursing their own lives like Job did, we don't simply project our own anxiety and discomfort. Just sit with them. They're finding their voice. Remember Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I can't stress that enough. Please know that technically speaking, Job, all the way through chapter 42, Job never finds out the origin of the suffering. You and I as readers know the first few verses of chapter 1, how all this unfolded. But Job never actually finds out why all of the things took place. What does that say? Some things happen for a reason. Some things can be traced. Some things are consequence. Some things are lessons to be learned. And some things in life are untraceable.
and will always be mysterious to us. Either way, the promise remains. Come to Christ with your heavy burden.